0: Welcome to our podcast, a real-world discovery of guest experience in the hospitality and lodging industry, uncovering a mixture of technologies and human-driven initiatives that are raising guest expectations and forever changing the guest experience across the hospitality and lodging sector.
1: If you are interested or involved in the travel industry and are passionate about creating unique guest experiences, join us as we talk to experts in the industry to learn about the future trends and how you can set yourself apart from the competition in 2021 and beyond. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of the GuestX podcast, where we encourage you to build a guest experience worth talking about. And I've got my co-host, Brian Hamaui with me. And I'm, my name is Matthew Loney, and we appreciate you
0: joining us. Brian, how are you doing? I'm doing really good this morning. It's a beautiful day here in Orlando, Florida. So ready to get started with this awesome podcast.
1: Yeah, no, it's, uh, you know, speaking of Orlando, probably nothing against our, all of our other guests, but, you know, certainly from a size standpoint, last week, probably one of the biggest guests we've had on, Brendan Richmond, who's with Universal Orlando Resort. One of, I would say, one of the premier Amusement parks in in the country. They've also got resorts. They they've got shopping. I mean, they they've got it all. But also, a group that's just really dedicated and really focused on guest experience. So it was really really cool to talk with them. And you know, the thing that jumped out at me was, and we've talked about this. I just don't think we've we've talked about it in this way before. But he kept going back to the North Star, right? Which is know where you're going know why, you know, know why you're going there and where you're headed, and the direction you want to keep your company moving. And that if you do that and you stay true to it, and for them, guest experience is a big piece of that.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree with you. Man. I mean the chat last week was was pretty eye-opening. They have a very clear direction where they're going. They know exactly what the park is and, and all of the experiences that they build are supposed to accomplish. And but at the bottom At the end of the day, the one thing that they focused the most on was their people. And I think he brought that up over and over and over again. It was all about the people. The people create the entire atmosphere around the parks. It's the people that create all of the entertainment. They design all of the rides. They basically start with their people. It's all about the training and who they're bringing in to actually create the experiences so that we can go to the parks and and enjoy them. And... Watching a company that is so big and has the ability to have so much technology and development and they just have endless resources to be able to do anything that they want. But the number one thing they focused on was the people. And and it speaks volumes because speaking to Brendan and knowing part of his team, it's true. They, They hire the best in class for everything that they do. So, you know, if, if there's one thing that you take a look at when you're building your companies, it is investing in your people. Those people are going to make your company successful.
1: Yeah. And you know, it was, and it was truly, you know, you alluded to a number of the points you made, a truly holistic approach about their people, in that it was, you know, it was the training. But he also he spent some time talking about how, you know, they they give them the freedom. To think outside the box and look—if you've ever been to Universal Orlando Resort, like there's some stuff. You know, speaking of of the two co of the two hosts here, the the least, you know, I'm very Type A, right? So the the I could never think of those things, right? But but he kind of he you know he talked about how part of the reason they come up they're able to come up with some great ideas is because they've created a culture where their employees. Understand that North Star, and then they have the freedom to really kind of go out and reach for it, and and they're not always like oh oh no nope, you know trying to draw boundaries around everything. And I'm not saying like you can't just everybody just can't be out there you know not everybody's the CEO of the company, but hire great people and let them do what they do. And I think a lot of people you know can sometimes I've been guilty of it. You hire great people and then. We want to tell them how to do it, and I think what Brendan really talked about is that's part of their culture is you know is letting them letting them go out and, and achieve the ultimate vision for Universal.
0: Yeah, I think you know one of the great examples that he gave was giving the ability of the to the creative team to be creative, and then also bringing all of their operators and their salespeople into one room and discuss those creative think that think creative thinking process and also get all of the feedback from the rest of the team and work in collaboration. And so I think that every, every department almost has the freedom to do what they want, but at the end of the day, they have that north star that they've got to achieve. So they're all working toward the same goal. That in effect makes you successful.
1: Okay, more easily said, easily said than done, right? I mean, it's uh, very, very, very impressive. Okay. well. Onward and upward, got a great guest this week and and just really excited about this week's podcast.
0: On today's episode, we're talking to Jeff Hamali. Jeff is a founding partner and head of education and innovation at the Modern Elder Academy. Prior to that Modern Elder Academy, Jeff was a partner at Second Muse, a board member at TechSoup Global, and the founding partner at Launch.org. Hey Matt,
2: hey Jeff. Today I am really excited about this conversation. Not only do we have a super special guest on the podcast, he's my brother. And so uh, I've known him my entire life. It's it's a little bit of a unorthodox conversation that we're going to have, but Jeff has an incredible background behind him. And I'll let him give us a little bit of a lowdown. Jeff, welcome to the podcast. I'm really excited to have you here.
3: Thank you, Brian. This it is. It's a little bit surreal to be doing a work conversation with you and Matt. But you know what? Let's go for it. A so lot of background. Fun. Yeah, background, background, background. I'm I'm probably the least qualified person that you've had on this on this podcast <laughs> to be on this podcast. I'm uh, I come out of an innovation background. I was I've been doing sort of green business and innovation, sustainability kind of innovation work for the last. Well, actually, for the last 25 years, although I jumped about four years ago into hospitality and transformational travel and, and that kind of work, um, which we'll get more into. But yeah, my background, broadly speaking, is working with everyone from NASA to IKEA to Nike, you know, Walmart, all of these kinds of cats on how do they make their supply chains and their products more sustainable, which inevitably is kind of human. And it's kind of uh, technological. So, I'm a strange observer of of this industry, and I'm a strange engager of this industry, I guess.
2: Which is really interesting <laughs> but, because you have so yeah, much. Yeah. Your your background is so different, and coming into the hospitality industry, you're going to explain to us how that evolved into the use, into using that background in hospitality. I think Matt, you were going to say something before we keep going.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, but but. But now, I guess Jeff, you you kind of have gotten a little bit into hospitality, maybe now on the on the on the outskirts with the Elder Academy. You know, with Chip Conley, I believe, is a partner of yours in this venture, and you know, and obviously, Chip has a lot of the hospitality background, and you know, perhaps you could. Describe for us, kind of give us a little bit about the Elder Academy and, and what you guys are trying to create
3: there. Yeah, for sure. And actually I have two partners. There's myself, obviously Chip Conley, who was who'd written a book about being a modern elder, and our third partner, Christine Skerber. Both of them come out of out of sort of deep hospitality roots. Christine has run operations on a variety of hotels and stuff like that. So she's run up, set up kind of created hotel experiences so you've got like two really wonky hospitality people and one non-hospitality person coming together and and I guess you know the modern elder academy was definitely not my idea as I said I kind of came out of this innovation space I was going down to Mexico to go and build a surf house that's what I wanted to do was to go and surf and do my thing and a buddy of mine was like hey you need to go and see what Chip Conley's up to down in Baja so I went and I turned up to this kind of, I guess it was like a, have you guys heard of Esalen? It's this West Coast kind of retreat, spiritual retreat center where people go and they, they have these big spiritual experiences. And they were kind of kicking around the idea of doing a, something for people in midlife that kind of felt like Esalen. And I arrived and it was completely not my thing. I'm just not interested in, I was not interested in any of that kind of stuff. I had a good week i really enjoyed my time with the people there but had pretty much just left and that was it and the week after i was still in baja i get a call from them and they're like look we're kind of struggling with the formula here do you want to jump in and help us facilitate and kind of be part of our team on a volunteer basis so i just started volunteering and what kind of emerged was There's just a simple conversation that's not being had at a social, at a societal level, right? And it goes something like this. In 1905, you'd have lived to around 55. That was your average age, okay? By 2005, depending on where you are demographically, you'll live to about 85. If you do the math from 20 to 50 and from 50 to 55 to 85, basically midlife has doubled, okay? Adult life has doubled. That time that you are an adult has gone from 30 years to 60 years. And the real question is, gosh, how do we how do we deal with that? What do we do with that? You know, the decisions that you made as a 20-year-old that maybe brought you into this current field that you're in may not fit fit you as a 40-year-old, as a 50-year-old, as a 60-year-old. Where do you go to think about that? to repurpose yourself, to sort of reimagine yourself in midlife? Where do you have the space and the time? And it turns out that traditional education, right, like sort of university-style retraining and courses, oftentimes doesn't make sense for people who've had a bagload of experience and life experience to think about how they transition, how they move to the next phase of their life. So that was the container we created as a team for the academy, which is like, how do you create the space for people to come together, think about midlife, think about their transitions, and reimagine midlife? I, I'm, I'm Matt. How old are you? Forty-four. Okay. Forty-four. Yes, forty-four. Yeah. I had to think about it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it gets that way. It gets that way. You know, I think. You are right in our demographic, and I think a lot of people are are looking at their lives and thinking, okay, what's next? They don't necessarily need a teacher, they don't necessarily need a course. They need time, they need space. You know, we're in the middle at this age between so our our demographic at the academy goes from about 40 to about 75. That's the, that's the kind of the the window of the folks that we're dealing with. People people want to be in community. They want to be in discussion with each other and thinking about, okay, how do I take that next step? What do I want to be? What do I care about? What have I let go of? as I've gotten older? You know, I have details on my brother, Brian, who used to be a phenomenal artist as a kid. Where is that in his life now, right? Where's that creativity gone? How is he expressing it? How might he reorganize his life to include more of that? So imagine a group of 20 people, 22 people coming together, having those discussions, having those prompts, but also kind of making friends with each other, having fun with each other. It's, it's not a dry environment. You know, we're not a bunch of monks kind of thinking about the future. We're, <laughs> we're, we're having a glass of wine. We're watching the ocean. We're taking inspiring walks. And, you know, just it's, it's a blast. So that's the
2: idea. Because are creating a community.
3: Yeah, which is evidently
2: what most people are looking for right now. You know, as we start to look into different industries, it seems like people are trying to find a place to fit into, and especially when it comes to travel, you know, companies like Airbnb, their entire thought process is about building communities, uh, even down to exercise companies like Peloton and their communities and having great success out of it. Is it that people are even willing to travel to find a sense or a place to be able to belong to and then basically building an experience around all of that? And how do you do it? How, where do you start?
3: Oh, so here's, here's one of the challenges is sometimes people don't know what they need or want, right? You're, you're sometimes addressing unmet and undiagnosed desire right? Someone will be like, let's say you've lost your job. You're, you're a mid-career professional. You've lost your job and you're thinking, okay, I need to kind of find my next thing. So the, the, in your head, you might be like, okay, I need to go to a place. I've found this modern elder Academy thing. I need to go to a place where what they're going to do is give me a whole bunch of hacks and a whole bunch of tech and a whole bunch of ways of approaching getting my next job. Right. That might, Be what initially you think is going to be important. What actually ends up being important is connecting to yourself, understanding what the hell you care about so you can make better decisions for the next stage, and connecting to a group of people who are perhaps more closely aligned to you in terms of what they're thinking about, what they care about, making new friends and building community. So what's happened to us is what we sell what the kind of the hook, if you like, oftentimes has to be more tangible, more practical, but we know that what we're really delivering is community. Does that make sense? So if you started selling community, I think people would be like, yeah, I don't need that. I need, I've got my friends, I've got my family, I've got my thing. What I need is a job.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, what, that's, that's fascinating because um, we we were talking right before we got on and the com, you know, the community, this concept came up, Jeff, and we were talking about Peloton and I was just thinking to myself, you know, I don't have the Peloton, uh, any of the, I have the app, but I don't have their, their bike or their tread. But, um, I know, I know my cohost Brian does, but you know, I was, when you were saying that, I'm like, you're right. Cause when, when I first got the Peloton app, it was, I need to get in shape, right? I need to get in shape. I need some, so it was tangible, but now it's, now that i'm in i figured out that i really needed a community of people to have something to you know to go to go on a run with and you know it brings me brian to an idea we had a, a while back at at Explory, and we 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 just haven't gotten to the you know like like last small upstart businesses we haven't gotten all the way to it yet but this concept of you know using the group like blue apron Maybe you know on family trips and create you know creating a family taco night, right? Where you may be traveling because you just need to get away or this and that, but really what you may be needing to do is reconnect with your family, you know. And so, c- how do we create an environment where that's easier? And so, one of the thoughts we had was like family game night you know, where you get Monopoly or you have these choices of games and we'll deliver them to the house and then you, you know, you can pick them up or you do, you know, family taco night where all the meals, you know, it's kind of prepared, but you still got to warm it all up. So you all sit around the kitchen and get to know each other again. But all of that is kind of about, you're right, selling them on, on one thing, not in a, not in a bait and switch type of way, but hey, here's what you can relate to but here's where we're going to deliver. And I think, Jeff, to your point, the the result, if you do it well, is they come out the other end much more satisfied than if you had just given them what they thought they had bought, right? You gave them something so, more now.
3: Yeah. There's so, There's a couple of things I want to sort of bounce back on. Actually, there's three things, Matt, on what you just said. The first is I don't know Blue Apron. Give me 12 seconds on it.
1: Uh, it's uh, pre-pa- pre Uh, Pre-prepared meals that they show up at your door in a cooler. You throw them in a grill and, you know, and then you've got a family meal, all kind of prepared.
3: So so you're thinking of using like one of those services as a, a way of getting people connected, right? They would cook the same meal and do the same things, even if they're virtual.
1: Exactly. Even if they didn't ask to, it's kind of like, hey, if we give this to you, what the result is going to be that you guys all get together one night during the vacation when you don't go out to eat you sit in the kitchen and maybe you talk to each other right and you have that family meal together
3: yeah that's cool that's a really interesting idea and, and we we've done a lot of that kind of stuff I'll, we'll talk later about we, we actually have an alumni network we have over 3,000 people that have kind of continue to get together and kind of become part of an ongoing community. I want to, I want to just dig up something from the early days of the internet. It was, uh, there was a company called the well, and it was one of the very first kind of internet kind of organizations. And they had this rubric, they had this thing that they came up with, which was the three C's. The first C was content. So like Peloton, you build content like us, you build content and that in turn builds community, right? People are drawn to content. I had a buddy who was like very early on in the days of CrossFit. And that was, you know, that was very clearly like, hey, there's this content here that's gonna help us get together, that we're gonna learn how to do, that we're gonna get fitter and stronger. And that was the hook. But actually the content led community. And that's really what kept people there. So content brings people, community keeps people. And then the third C was commerce. A lot of us, we start these sort of online businesses or any kind of business, right? Thinking like, hey, what can I sell you? So you go commerce, community content. And it oftentimes works the other way around, right? Start with the content, build the community, then you build the commerce. People are going to want to get involved. They want to going to buy your stuff. Just for the record, this guy that I'm, I was talking about, the early CrossFit guy, he started just giving away free mobility workouts. His name was Kelly Starrett, wrote a bunch of books. So he was getting people really engaged in his community around this content. He now sells shoes for Reebok. He, you know, co-branded with Reebok. He has all kinds of kind of, you know, back stretching tools and foot stretching tools and Christ knows what else. And that's how it worked. Content, community, commerce. So I think a great a great, great sort of insight for for anyone doing this type of work, trying to think about how to build community is if you start with the product, you're likely not to get to community. If you start with content, if you start with thinking about what am I doing to bring people into community, you're more likely to succeed. That's very
1: well that's yeah yeah that is interesting because you know one of the things brian we've talked about is that our industry struggles to really deliver i think good content right airbnb did a you know has gotten airbnb got a little bit better at it you know because they you know really was the first one to really deliver like great photography so you could picture yourself in the unit but but really we still focus on the vacation rental or the hotel and hospitality as kind of the end goal. Mm -hmm. Instead of saying, no, like what you're coming for, why don't I have great content on, you know, all the cool things to do in town and the great coffee shops and the great, you know, and build that content around where you're coming. It'll help you enjoy the community. And then therefore I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm probably gonna buy.
2: And the part of the reason behind that that is because we're not marketers and so when when we become vacation rental you know property managers and possibly other other sectors in the hospitality industry we're coming in as business owners obviously we're wearing multiple hats but we're not true marketers what we're trying to do is adapt and the adapting isn't producing the content that we actually need to, the, to, to be able to deliver to the guest. And, and a lot of it has to do with the fact that we're actually not pre, we, we don't know how to produce good content. It's not real content. If people were actually real about the content that they produce, platforms like TikTok, for example, or your Instagram Reels, the reason that those are performing well is because people aren't really pretending. They're actually producing content that they know about they're excited to talk about. We just don't know how to translate that into our platforms as professionals. Mm. So imagine if you could almost hybrid it and you said to property managers, forget about being a professional at all. Go into the house and tell me the things that excite you about this house. Go into the community and tell me the things that you'd love about this community and talk to your potential guests. We don't have the platform that gives us the ability to talk that way to our guests.
1: And, you know, Jeff, um, Go ahead. Uh, well, no, I was just going to ask, how do you guys I mean, at the Elder Academy, then as you guys have because, you know, you're really still in the throes of really building this right and developing it. So you've mm-hmm. obviously had conversations internally as you guys approach your content, you know, um, what are what are some of those filters through which you look for? I mean, I think Brian brings up a good one that's probably discussed internally. there: authentic. We hear a lot about building authentic content. But but tell us how you've how you've attacked content, because it's gotta be really important to what you guys are building.
3: Yeah. You know, um, and, and what I was gonna jump on, what Brian said as well as culture, right? These mm. two things leaf together, content and culture sort of stack on top of each other. So for example, when people arrive at the academy, we now have a culture from people who've been back repeatedly, like three, four, five, six times, you introduce each other. People are friendly. People will come up to you and say hi. So, again, if you look at your sort of traditional hotel experience, you might arrive at a hotel and other than the staff at front desk, no one says a word to you. Maybe, you know, if you've got good cleaning staff and good training in a hotel, people through the hotel might, might, might kind of be friendlier. But by and large, other guests are polite and then bounce. If people are hungry for community, hotels, hospitality, especially guest houses that are very isolated, right, are not a recipe for connecting to people in your location. You know, when people come to us, everyone, the team, ourselves, partners, there's people there the whole time and we're starting conversations. We are instantly in a conversation. I think authenticity, Matt, is definitely part of it. I think one of the ways we, we sort of prime the pump is getting people into conversation. So in our business, it's like literally we start the week off by getting people in, in conversation, setting a culture of how do you share? How do you share information? How do you talk to each other in a way that is, as you say, authentic, perhaps vulnerable? It doesn't have to be painful or a pity party, but at least say what's real, you know, what's going on with you right now. So creating a culture of sort of proper sharing, how do you listen to each other? How do you speak to each other and so on? These these are things we explore. They're not things we force, right? There's not like a set of hard and fast rules. You must do this. So much as like, we just have a good culture for people to interact and engage. And again, as I think of the sort of the holiday rental experience for myself, you go to a place and you are instantly isolated, right? How do, I, how do I connect to a community? The, the dream of Airbnb was rent a house and live like the person that owns that house. You know, you live in that community. I remember one of the very first Airbnbs I ever did was in Copenhagen. And it was this incredible, it was just this incredible house. It was like a 16th century kind of wooden mad cottage. It was It was like something out of a movie went in, the owner had left me a whole bunch of like dough and pre-baked products that I could bake in the oven. And she turned up every day and she was like, Hey, you want to come and meet my cousin? Hey, do you want to come and take a walk? And it was the most incredible experience. I, I kind of saw Copenhagen through the eyes of a local. I met her friends, her family, all kinds of interesting people. Now I know that for most property managers and for most you know, holiday rental managers, that is just a step too far. But what would it be? How might you get people to start to think about how do I plug you into this community? What are the ways that I can help you connect at a human level? Because that's where your experience goes from being comfortable to transformational.
2: And it's almost about connecting travelers with travelers at the moment. Because those travelers, especially, you know, property managers, you have access to other travelers. Destinations like mine, I mean, Orlando, Mm -hmm. there is really one purpose that people are coming to Orlando, and it's family. So if you could build a community around that, if you've got 30, 40, 100, 200 houses, you've instantly built yourself a community of guests that are coming, they're staying for the exact same purpose and looking to do the exact same thing that you are. They're going to Disney Universal. They're also looking for more localized things to do. When we created Guestbook, that was part of the aim was to give guests access to other guests and find out, figure out what they're doing in the local area that might make their trip just that little bit more extra special. And so I, I think that's a simple way for us to build, start building communities, which is not going too far outside of your company, but having access to guest to guest.
3: And honestly, Brian, you know, unless you have bags and bags of money and you can bring your own nanny and bring your own staff to support you, getting into kind of high trust relationships with people who maybe have ratings, who maybe have sort of confidence ratings that. You know, we hang out for a couple of days with the kids, and then you you babysit my kids, I'll babysit your kids. We can go out. We can have fun. It's like, seriously, it's a nightmare otherwise. Holidays can be just a pain in the dick if you've got young children, right?
1: Well, well it, you know, I think about some of the, you know, hospitality segments that have been real successful. You know, you think of Disney's Cruise Line. Right. A little bit of that is about community. I mean, there aren't people on there without children. A lot of them want to be able to take their kids, you know, to a camp during the day on this cruise ship. But then you see a bunch of parents hanging out because, and Brian, you and I talked about this, they're all in that same stage in life. And I think this goes back to the Elder Academy, right? And why, you know, you guys are probably just seeing some of the success you're seeing, which is, you know, that segment, you know, whether it's, you know, 40 to 70, those professionals, they're asking themselves a lot of the same questions. So when you can go someplace and, you know, you can talk about things where, you know, five or six other people go, oh yeah, I've wondered the same thing, right? Or, you know, then you feel, that also makes you feel part of a community because you instantly don't feel alone. And it doesn't have to be negative things, It could just be like, yeah, geez, I never realized when I turned 40 that my, you know, it was going to be so hard to start getting out of bed. You're like, but, you know, it's just, it is what it is. But, you know, somebody goes, oh, yeah, wait till you get 50. And, you know, so now you're like, okay, it's not just me. So I think that's interesting. It is interesting. Mm -hmm.
2: And it starts to trickle down into the thought process as a professional. How do you start to target those demographics and understanding your demographics? Because, you know as professionals, you know communication is communication is a difficult period, and according to Jeff, I mean we've got a target market that we're probably not we're we're underserving massively. Jeff, mm-hmm. why don't you give us a little bit about background on the demographics that you guys are serving and how you guys are communicating with those guys, and then what that experience looks like when they arrive at the academy
3: sure there's a there's a bunch of research. that that I can send you some links to so you can post with this podcast, but essentially really sort of framing out the the, the market. Where is the money in our marketplace and why are we marketing to all the wrong people? So it turns out that about $8 trillion worth of net wealth is housed in the over 50s in the US alone. This is a massive, massive portion of our economy. And if you think about it, it makes sense, right? People have been working their lives and accruing wealth. As I said earlier, the demographics are shifting. We've gone from having more people that were, we've, we last year we went from having more people that are 50 than there are people that aren't, over 50 than there are people that are under 10. You see what I mean? So we, we finally flipped people, are, are, our population is getting older rather than having more young people younger. So the massive money is with older people People tend to market and product design for younger people who have less disposable income anyway. So you've got this incredible opportunity to reimagine some of these guest experiences for the clients that have the most disposable income and are the largest part of your population. Candidly, for us as an academy, that was like, huh let's create this midlife pit stop i don't think you need to go that far but there are some really simple things that you can do for people in midlife right we were gagging around before this podcast started about the fact that i can't read the instructions on anything so if your website (laughs) is got teeny tiny writing and you're trying to try attract a certain demographic guess what you're going to have real trouble if your instructions whether it's online and digital or, or handbooks in your home or teeny tiny writing, it's going to be really hard for people to know what the hell is going on. So just how do you start to think about and design for that demographic? There's, there's this sort of idea of human-centered design. I don't know if you guys are familiar with it, but it's how do you design for the people and for the experience you're trying to generate? how do you sort of start to track someone who's in their 50s, 60s, and 70s coming through one of your properties, coming through one of the things that you're doing and saying, how do I make this better for them? To your point, we talked about kids, right? We instantly talked about socializing people with kids. We didn't talk about socializing people in their 50s. I don't know, you know, I don't know what the activities are that you might want to start to sort of leaf together, but Whatever it is, whatever the things that are going on for that demographic and that age group that are neat and interesting, how do you kind of suck them into that? I imagine that if you're traveling in a rental in that age group, that there might be some interesting challenges that that you wanna that you wanna help them overcome to to have an epic community experience. Honestly, we we've created a full curriculum, so we've created a door to door experience. We have different products. So let me sort of walk through how we ended up where we are. We started off with a week-long product that was essentially a one-week curriculum. It was pretty intense. It was like almost every hour was curated with lessons and classes and, and content. People came through together, and it, it was super rich, and it was super interesting. Because they're adults, they could choose to come in or not come into a session, right? But it's not like school where you, you're late or not late. So people would spend a week with us. When, when coronavirus hit, there was that moment of like, oh, crap, we are in Mexico. We're running a hospitality operation. We were inside for a lot of these sessions. How are we going to pivot? What are we going to do to make this work? My partner, Christine, came up with this idea of sabbatical sessions, which was, Baja is amazing. You can sit outside most of the time. Why don't we offer people long stay with occasional programming, much lighter programming? So then that kind of created this sabbatical sessions program or product, I guess you'd call it, which is essentially a two-week stay. We're now looking at even doing a one-week stay, but much lighter programming much more flowy people kind of working together and teaching themselves and then the other thing that the uh that the pandemic did to us was forced us online we were like okay if people can't come to us how do we come to people we took all that content that we'd created Matt, and we sort of just dumped it into a variety of online containers it really drove us as well to sort of reframe the whole experience in terms of how do you make online as rich as in real life so we created courses that had all kinds of people speaking all kinds of different so instead of having one teacher for your week you could have 12 because it was online right we could pre-record put in the can we could add a whole bunch of value and spread it over eight weeks so it wasn't as intensive we've had about 1500 people now run through our online offering and we get a ninety-seven percent NPS. By the way, and on both ninety-five in real life and ninety-seven online is our NPS, oh. which is just off the hook for a hospitality organisation and for an academic or an educational organisation as well. So those those are the things. The other the other sort of thing that we realised is. As people are coming onto these platforms, what they're really interested in is the community. Right. As I said earlier. They are they buy the change they want, you know, a professional, I need a professional training week or, you know, personal training week of some description, but they they stay for the community. They stay because they've met people of a like mind. And what that led us to was to start building communities. So we've built we're starting to build a community in Baja of 26 homes around a regenerative farm. If you don't know what a regenerative farm is, go watch Kiss the Ground on Netflix and learn about regenerative farming. It is super interesting. It is it is definitely a different way to look at how we do agriculture and land management. And I have learned all about it and could super bore you guys on it if you're interested. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Another the, um, podcast another podcast. It's it's actually been kind of fascinating because it's like, huh, the way we treat our soil might actually be kind of interesting as a way to think about ourselves, right? How do we think about, you know, making our soil rich so that it can support any kind of crop? So we built one in Baja. We then set up what we're calling regenerative communities. So it's like, let's take that Baja model. We've got this academy where people come, they build community, they really kind of feel like, hey, I want to live this way. So they, they come and, and they came and bought at Baja Sage, it was called down there. We, I'm actually right now talking to you from New Mexico, where we've just bought a ranch here called Saddleback Ranch, which is two and a half thousand acres. And it's the same concept, it's the same idea again. Can we build an academy? Can we build a community? And then can we offer them a way to come together and live that way? So you have all these things that, you know, I think, honestly, COVID pushed us into a lot of this stuff. We went from this funnel of digital into in real life, short courses, one-week courses, and then these longer kind of, you know, deeper stays where people were able to kind of process themselves more into building physical communities. So that's our model. We've bought one here in Santa Fe and we're looking at a couple more in the area to sort of build out that wider community, one in the town of Santa Fe and one just outside the town of Santa Fe. So watch this space. We're kind of, we're growing and we're, we're really taking this idea of like, how do you build a how do you lead with community and build a whole set of products around that as well? It's interesting, you
1: know. Um,
3: I think about
1: some of the mental health issues that our country has faced—not just our country, but you know—I think it's it certainly has come to light during COVID. You know, when people had to go back into you know or or, or retreat maybe from communities, whether that be at the office or at gyms or you know wherever they were. They felt apart, and you know, I think particularly for people who were maybe you know, otherwise you know, if they were already kind of struggling to take away community from those type of people. Yeah, you know, I've got a friend who um, has a treatment facility in Phoenix, Arizona, mm-hmm. and you know, one of the comments he made was during during COVID was they had done you know online meetings, whether it be AA or or. People have dealt with alcohol or drug issues, but he said, you know, it's just so difficult being away. It's just not the same, right? It's, 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 you know, people, we are by nature social beings. And I think that ability to get together in a community like this is probably, Jeff, what you guys are seeing a lot of people being drawn to is because they want to feel a part of something. And, you know, the Zoom fatigue and everything, I think, is part of that too. It's just, just not the same. And Brian, you and I talk a lot about this when we talk about guest experience. Which is, a lot of the technology we're building is great, but it's it's humans that have got to deliver it. The tech makes it easier, right? The mm-hmm. tech. I think Steve, Karen from iTrip's once he made you know he, he one time made the comment that the tech makes it look easy, delivering it, but it's still got to be delivered. It's still a human thing. And I think that's just something that's really important that we not lose sight of in our industry. Because I do, it worries me when I hear people who've gotten into hospitality, you know, saying, well, as well, you know, the less I can interact with my guests, the better. And you go, not sure that's the path to success.
2: It's (laughs) absolutely not the path to success. Because if you lose human interaction, you have no idea how to deliver it. Um, well, and know, we're
1: transactional and, and, then. I mean, we're just a transaction on an e-commerce site, and we ought to just throw all this stuff up and just, just sell it. And that's part of the problem, right?
2: Because we talk about, in the industry especially, how do you make your product different than everybody else's? We have a really big challenge where we are, because we've got a 1,000 homes that are cookie cutter. How do you mm-hmm. make your experience stand out from the rest of the other 1,000 competitors that you have around here? And it's not through the actual product itself. The house is a vehicle. It's about the experience that you provide inside of that home. If yeah. you get rid of the human element, there is absolutely no way that you can deliver anything that becomes unique. You're delivering a vehicle.
3: Yeah, yeah. The um, there's a book by the he was a previous U.S. Surgeon General, a guy called Vivek Murthy, and the book is called Together. And it was it came from a place of, this is pre-COVID, guys. He was looking at America as the Surgeon General from a general health perspective. And what he realized was that there was a loneliness epidemic. People are isolated. People are loneliness. The technologies that we use drive that isolation and that loneliness. They don't drive Mm -hmm. us to actually come together. So, yeah, the book is called Together. It's well worth a read or a listen to or However, you consume your media.
1: Uh, it's,
2: it, it, it is interesting. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, I, when, right before we had Scarlett, and she's now, who's Scarlett? I mean, she's she's, you're, you're, yeah, your niece. Yeah. Uh, so it was really not interesting. Every little, was not every listener is going to know Brian. Little. It's not like she's famous yeah, or something. You know I mention her from time to time. My daughter, Scarlett, your niece. Yeah. I was uh. out to dinner with Rebecca and my wife. Uh, Yeah, thanks for almost ten years, years. I know you haven't seen her for for two years now, and that's okay because of COVID. So we'll blame it on that. But one of the things that struck us was we were out to dinner, and it frightened me to to no end. We went out to dinner and we looked at the table next to us, and it was two separate families: husband and wife, husband and wife, and then two sets of kids each sat on opposite ends of the table. The parents were speaking and the kids were all on iPads at mm-hmm. that time with absolutely no conversation. And I looked at Rebecca and she was pregnant at the time and I said, when Scarlett is born, the ability to sit at a table and talk is really important. There's absolutely no way that she's gonna sit at a table, have an iPad in front of her, especially if their kids sat across across the way from her And it scared me because what we're leading into is the future where kids don't know how to talk to each other or interact. And literally these kids sat there for an hour and a half and never spoke a word to each other. And I think COVID has partially done something to advance that. So we ended up going out into the public in in the last week, and Scarlett was literally having panic attacks being around people. And it scared us because, the community itself wasn't dealing with the current situation the right way. But what it's also done mentally to her is be afraid of the community around her. And it's something that we've got to fix because we are creatures of community, I think. We thrive by being around people. I thrive about uh, uh, about being around people. Creativity, travel, everything evolves around being inspired by other people. And so I think what I'm saying is that this is all human driven. As soon as we lose that, we lose the essence of who the human being is,
3: which then trickles us to travel. Matt, you were going to say something.
1: No, no, I, I think I, I think that's right. You know, there's been some Wall Street Journal article. I think it was Wall Street Journal articles, but you know, how could we feel so disconnected in a period of time when we've never been more connected? And yeah. the answer is. It, that's not being able to send a message and have it instantly read is not a connection. Right. And that's what we've got to quit. We've got to quit thinking that the ability to communicate is connection and it's not, right? Hmm. Connection's deeper. I can tell you something and you don't feel any more connected to me than you did before I told you, or I could tell you something And I can tell you in a way, not only is it the content of what I'm telling you, but if we're in person and you can understand my emotion and you can understand how I'm feeling when I'm telling you in my body language, now I'm I'm much more likely to maybe feel connected. And by the way, let's not also underestimate the ability, it doesn't have to be you communicating. I think that a lot of uh, value is provided by being the person who's receiving genuine communication from someone else who's witnessing somebody being vulnerable to me now somehow makes me feel more human Mm -hmm. right and more a part of that community and and, and we look i think this is we're starting to run out of time but i think i think like if I'm, gonna, I mean, I've written it down a, a hundred times here in my book. Of community, community. But I was like, that's the takeaway. And I would love Jeff. Maybe you could kind of wrap up for us. You know, like I always think it's it's important to pose a challenge. You know, a little bit to not only our industry, but just, but definitely, you know, hospitality. You know, I think part of what I've gotten from you is, you know, spend more time thinking about how you build community, but. As the industry continues to evolve, you know, Jeff, like, how do you look at it, and what are some of those challenges we're going to face, and any recommendations that you have
3: would be really interesting. That's a big question. <laughs> <laughs> um, let me let me let me peel back to. Again, we're in slightly different businesses, right? I think the the home rental business is very different to a hospitality operation that is hotel-based or online or whatever. But I think there are some meta lessons and some meta challenges. So the first thing that you said, just to play back to you guys, is you don't scale, right? So if you're the manager, if you've got 100 houses, 200 houses, 300 houses, the idea of running around everyone and taking them a cake and being like, howdy neighbor, you know, it's just, that's never going to work. The only Mm -hmm. thing that scales at the scale of your organization is your customers. So that was Brian's insight. And I think that's really genius, right? The work that's going to be done to bring people together into community has to be, how do you connect your customers together? So that was my first and Brian, again, I really love the language you used around little boxes, right? It's not going to be having nicer pillow shams or whatever the hell it is that's going to make your house look a little bit different from the other house. It's going to be the reviews that say, these guys have nailed it. I had the best experience of my life. And we talked a little bit about culture. We talked a little bit about content, right? So as a as a manager, you can manage content. You can commission content, you can create experiences that bring people together. So content could be written or experiential. It can be how do you how do you give people options to opt in for content? That allows them to build community themselves. And that's where the, the those connections, that's where the transformation happens. That's where they make lifelong friends and they say, I'm always going back there because I made the friends of my life on that holiday. I had the time of my life on that holiday, or I learned something on that holiday that I never learned before. So don't focus on the little box. Obviously you have to maintain quality there, but but what is the culture, the content, the community that leads to that connection, that leads to that transformation? And I would say, if you think of the boxes as the hardware and everything else that we've been talking about as the software, That's kind of an interesting thought, right? It's like, how do you manage that software so that people are actually driven to coming together to whatever level they want? Look, there might be someone who's totally burned out and doesn't want to meet anyone. Fine, that's cool, right? But even for them, they probably want to connect to people even though they don't quite realize it yet. So that would be the challenge. (laughs) What's the software for your industry? What's that software that drives the culture, the content, the community, and the connection that leads to that transformative experience. The end. <laughs>
1: the <laughs> end. I love. I love it. I love it. Well, well I, it. I tell you, we we don't have that. Yeah yeah. 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 You would know. You we know, <laughs> A lot of opportunity there to build the the software, but Jeff, I I have to tell you, it's, it's been really enjoyable. I, I think. Look, like, I think some of this, you know, just beyond is kind of, you know, very high level, right? It's kind of, it's kind of, but I think that's where you have to start. Yeah. Right. And I love the three C's. And you know that the content leads to the community, which can then lead to the commerce. And you hear that a lot from founders who've been very successful, right? When they when asked, well, how did you? Not many of them started off going. I wanted to figure out how to rent a home. Like you know, they don't start usually at the commerce. They started with some are bigger purpose, and whether or not they Beautiful. stayed there, some some do and some don't. And and I think you know, but. That's really fascinating. So I thank you so much. It's, it's, it's been really, really interesting.
2: Something that comes really quick to mind, Matt, is that we have a group of property managers and homeowners that are very, very, they they work very independently. And uh, the one thing that we're failing to do is work as a community and put together a think tank. So Jeff, in the past, and and I have very vivid memories of him being able to connect people from different industries, from different backgrounds, sitting them in a room, creating basically an ecosystem where we can sit and think and talk about our, our ecosystem and how we improve that. And I guess one topic that comes to mind is how do we start to collaborate as a group? and create a community of property managers that can actually talk about the industry and improving what is the guest experience, what is our industry, and how do we deliver that to our community? Because ultimately, we all have the exact same goal, which is delivering something to a guest that becomes memorable. That's why we do it. And we're not
1: doing it collaboratively. That's interesting. You're right. And a couple of the associations, I would say, we 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 do have have struggled at that. I don't think that's unique to our industry Those are either. Conferences. I think a lot of industries. Those
2: are yeah, conferences. Yeah. What we don't do is yeah. we don't come together as a group and say, here's where we're at. What are we trying to achieve as, as a community? And how do we deliver it? Do we have the tools necessary to be able to do that as a group?
1: Yeah, right. Right. No, you're right. And uh, it's it's, it's interesting. I think something for us to think about, because I think we can solve a lot of these problems if we get together and we talk about them. And, you know, like anything, I think our industry, you know, we get busy and people get going a million. But if not, you look back in five years, one of the questions I've asked a lot of our guests, Prime, is have we actually gotten any better with guest experience? I mean, it's a genuine question I have. I know we've complicated. it. I mean, like, you know, we've got a lot of tech that does a lot of things, But I wonder if the guest actually, you know, oh, no, the guest experience is like, you know, it's X, you know, the multiple is X better than what it was five years ago, because I think we're still running around. So, um, well, thank you again, Jeff. And uh, again, um, the Elder Academy, if people are interested in learning more about it, maybe Maybe taking part in you know one of the stays. What's the best way? I'm guessing um, to kind of learn more and then and then get in contact with with your group.
3: Yeah, just go on to themodernelderacademy.com and and check us out. I'll send you some links so that you can also see we've got an online course starting on transitions in October. So I will send you a link to that as well. And just, just there's a bunch of interesting content there to have a look at.
1: Very good. Well, thank you again. And um, yeah, we look forward to following you and and would love to have you back on at some point in the future as you guys start
3: building out Santa Fe. Fantastic. Thank you, gents.
0: That's it for this week's episode of Guest X. Be sure to sign up for our email list at guestxpodcast.com. That's guest, the letter X, podcast.com. And follow us in your favorite podcast app so that you don't miss our next episodes. We are Brian Hamali and Matthew Loney signing off and reminding you to always create a guest experience worth talking about. See you soon.